Rochdale. This is the Stories of Strength podcast, a collection of inspiring stories told by women from across Rochdale. I'm Asma Begum from Soul Sisters Empowering People, and together with a bunch of other brilliant Rochdale organisations, we've gathered stories of strength from women who come from all walks of life. Our stories will make you laugh, cry and reflect on your own experiences. But most of all, you'll feel empowered and strong. Before we get started, this episode contains references to domestic abuse and physical abuse. Hi, I'm Jenny Miller. I'm the Domestic Abuse Service Manager at Rochdale Connections Trust and I'm here today with Liesl. So, welcome Liesl. And can you just tell me a little bit about your background? Yeah. Um, so I'm currently the Business Support Manager at Rochdale Connections Trust. I am married, it is my second marriage, and we have four children and two grandchildren between us. So, what's your story about? My story is quite varied, from being brought up in an abusive household where my father was an alcoholic, he abused my mom on a regular basis, to me immigrating over here with the ex-husband uh, and two children. But I think the way I was brought up obviously had a profound effect on my perspective and uh, formed my development in the growing up years. Okay, so. What happened to you then? Let me start at the beginning. My dad used to drink a lot every day. Uh, We knew he was an alcoholic. Um, We used to find little bottles of alcohol hidden all over the house uh, in the garden. Had some in the toilet system, um, in the swimming pool collection basket. We used to call it the weir. We used to find little bottles of alcohol in there. Obviously, it was particularly bad over weekends. And I remember once we had a whole lot of people over for a barbecue on a Saturday afternoon and there were a few of us children over and we were jumping on the bed as kids do and my dad got extremely angry with us and he hit me really hard but me being a kid I didn't bend when I was told to bend and so the belt buckle got me on my back I ended up not being able to walk for a good few hours so yeah that that was one of the the weekends that um, my mom kind of stepped in and said right that's it you're never disciplining the children again Um, and that was left up to her to do Obviously, my mom also never helped Matt as much. Uh, she would always have a go at him when he came home and mm-hmm. drunk and in that state. Um, and this would obviously cause major fights. I remember he regularly abused or hit her. He used to shout at her, scream at her, punch her. Um, there were a number of times she laid a charge of assault. The police would come over. He'd be put in jail sometimes because he was that drunk. The charges would never stick um, because she always would take them back the following day or the following week. And uh, I, I do remember a, a couple of times that do vividly stick in my mind. And that was once when I was about 14, my mom bending over a cupboard uh, to get a pot mm. to, to cook us some dinner. And he kicked her so hard that she, she fell forward. She couldn't get up and walk. And um, mm. when she went to the hospital, it uh, transpired that he'd broken her coccyx. Mm. And that to this day is still not repaired. Um, she can walk, but she obviously still has back problems and she has a lot of pain, um, especially when the weather hits um, really cold weather, she has to take a lot of medication. So that was one occasion that particularly sticks out in my mind. Um, another one was my brother's birthday party. He came home drunk and felt that he was the master of the house mm. and he passed out on the front step. Um, so anyone who had to collect their kids from the birthday party had to either step over him or go around the back. Um, of the property to pick up their kids. So again, that that kind of sticks out in my mind. That's the kind of thing we had to deal with on a 
a weekly basis. How old would you have been at that time? Then I was about 11. And your brother? Um, seven. Okay. Yeah. So really so, kind of traumatic kind of, in, you know, insights into your yeah, family. Definitely. So how did it, you know, as an 11 year old, how did that make you feel? It, it was extremely embarrassing. Just knowing that people were coming around and having to step over your father and laughing at him in the background and, you know, laughing about the situation and and you sat there watching what's going on. It's, it's really quite traumatising at times yeah. when, when things like that happen. I remember another time when I was a little bit older at this stage. My dad had my, my mother around her neck. Her feet were off the ground. She was turning blue. Um, and I grabbed the first thing that I could find and I smashed it over his arms. I ended up breaking the one arm and severely bruising the other. And the next day he didn't even know what had happened to him. He thought he'd fallen and hurt himself. So it just shows you that the, the mindset that he's in when he, when he got into that state. He had no idea what he was doing. Did anybody around your family at the time, either schools or mums, friends or family, did anybody kind of know about what was going on? A lot of people knew what was going on. The doctors knew what was going on. Um, they tried giving my mum anti-alcohol tablets. But with an alcoholic, you have to yourself say, yes, I'm an alcoholic and I need help. Um, so the tablets made him severely ill because he used to drink with them. Yeah. So he stopped taking the tablets. The school... They never really stepped in and did much because we were being provided for as kids. Yeah. There, there weren't any issues with us as children. Because and your mum did all Because that. my mum did everything. And obviously all my mum's family and friends, my dad's family and friends, they all knew what was going on. But again, that you don't step in and, and help or try and do anything to, mm. to do it. I do remember my mum was really conscious being in South Africa. If she had left my dad at that time and, and us moving with her, she didn't earn enough money to be able to support us as a family. Mm. The government would have taken the kids away from her and split us up. Right. So she had to stay and, you know, be in that situation. I just wow. remember that, yeah. 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 So what was your worst memory? It's quite a scary one, this, and it'll sort of put a perspective on, on things growing up and how bad they were at home. One of the worst things I remember is coming home from school one day. Um, I found both my parents' cars were in the driveway, so I assumed they were both at home. I went inside, called for my mum, couldn't find her anywhere. Went down the stairs and I could hear my dad in the garage with a bandsaw. And I walked down to the garage and I saw him cutting up huge chunks of meat. So in my mind, I thought that he'd killed my mother. Wow and was cutting her up into little pieces. I literally ran from there all the way to my boyfriend's house. I think it must have been about five kilometers away. I got to the house, asked his father to call the police and for us to go over to the house so that we could, I mean, we couldn't save her. She was already in little pieces. We eventually got to the house and as we drove up, my mom drove up in, the, in a car with somebody else. She'd been out with a friend and the, what my dad was cutting up, we found out, was a deer that he'd been given, um, and that was what he was cutting up. But that was extremely traumatising as a, as a child to see that. And for me to be, have been in that mindset, to think that this is what my, my father's done to my mother. Yeah. That's and capable kind of, of doing. And capable of doing. That's yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what have you learned from your childhood experiences? I think one of the most important lessons was to keep the children out of any arguments. I mean, the amount of times my brother and I were involved in arguments between my, my parents was countless. And it does damage you. It does mm. damage what, what your perspective on, on life. And 
you then become angry and you become you think that's how you should sort problems out just to uh-huh. scream and fight and and carry on so yeah my children as a result I, I never ever let them witness any, any sort of issues or problems um, between um, us as parents if we couldn't resolve it talking normally we would then wait until the kids had gone to bed and we would uh, then resolve the issue mm-hmm. and also that I mean there were a number of times where my mom used to have to beg my father for money for bread and milk or groceries and from that I learned that I would never ever be in a position to beg a man for money ever I'll do whatever it takes to make my own money and make a success out of what I what I do and I think it definitely worked because I had my own really successful business back in South Africa. Mm. Um, I did work sometimes 24 hours a day, seven days a week to able to get it to where it needed to be. In 2007, we emigrated over to the UK and that was with the ex-husband and both my kids. The marriage between my ex-husband and I were already, it was already on rocky grounds, but mm. we thought we could have a new start um, when we got over here. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't work out. And I ended up having to take my kids back to South Africa um, because I didn't really have any support or anything here. But back in South Africa, I could have got back on my own two feet. In the beginning of 2008, um, my ex-husband kind of basically forced us to to come back to the UK because his children are British and they fall under what's called the Hague Convention. And if I didn't bring them back, they'd have been extradited out of South Africa and I'd never seen them again. So I had to bring them back over to the UK. And I think the stress of all the issues at uh, at home back in South Africa, moving country twice, working 24 hours a day, I ended up with cancer um, when I came over to the UK. What was going through your mind kind of at that stage? Honestly, I... I knew it was a contained cancer that I'd um, been diagnosed with. It was entirely curable. But I went through like a mind-numbing stage where you're kind of non-emotional. Uh-huh. Um, and, and you think when the consultant said to me that, you know, worst case scenario, I might end up having to lose my thyroid. I might end up dying on the operating table, that kind of thing. I, I ended up writing out goodbye letters to the children that was quite scary and to my mother I wrote a goodbye letter and to the ex-husband I wrote one to him as well and after all the adversity I'd had growing up as kids the issues I've had and just before their diagnosis I was kind of wondering what have I ever done to deserve this you know I need a break in life (laughs) I need to be able to do something right but then I, I thought at that stage this kind of mindset, it's up to me to change. No one's going to change that mindset for you. Mm. You have to change that for yourself. I'd overcome all the childhood experiences. I'd made a success of my life up to that point. I ended up putting all the negativity to the back of my mind and putting my head down and muscled my way through it, really. So if there's anything you could have changed or you could go back, what would you change? Obviously, you can't change anything as a kid growing up. Um, There's nothing you can really change. As an adult, I think maybe some of the decisions that I made initially with the ex-husband moving over to this country to start with, maybe I wouldn't have done that so quickly, Mm. causing the issues of coming back, you know, going backwards and forwards between countries. I think making a success of the businesses that I had, I don't think I'll change that decision at all because... Again, that formed my children's perspective on life and 
you, you work hard for what you want in life, you don't just get given it for free, you know, that kind of thing. So I don't think I'll change anything like that. How would your friends and family kind of describe you? I don't burn any bridges when I am with friends and family. I, I try and leave things in, in a really positive light. Um, I think most of my friends will say that I, I'm honest and sometimes too honest because I'll, I'll call a spade a spade um, mm -hmm. and I'll tell you what, what I think is right and what I think is wrong. I think I'm, I'm quite reliable and I think they understand that I am quite reliable. Um, if they ask me to do something or if, I, if they rely on me as a friend to do anything, I'm absolutely there for them. I'll do everything I can to, to help them through things. Um, especially with what I've been through, mm. you know, I'll try and be a, as helpful as I can. I do think that they they probably look at me and go, I hide a lot of my emotional side, which I do do. I, I know that I do, and more often than not, I make jokes out of situations. I do think that, from a family's point of view, I think my mom still feels guilty in the fact that we grew up the way we did as children, mm. um, in that sort of environment. But I don't think she can believe that either me or my brother have turned out to not have any addictive traits as such or suffer from any long-term effects that I know of anyway. <laughs> from what we've been through. <laughs> do you consider yourself strong? Um, I think I do. I think my kind of moral, what I live to is what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Mm. And I think in my case that that's true. Um, I've been shot at, I've been blown up, I've been attacked. I've had cancer and I'm still here standing. You just won't go away. <laughs> I just won't go away. I've fought for what I wanted in life and I've achieved most of what I've set out to achieve. I'm now happily married to a really nice guy and I think we've got some fun times to look forward to. So yeah, I do think I'm a strong person. <laughs> if you could offer any words of advice to somebody who has kind of had some of your experiences or having some bad experiences now what would you what would you say i think the most important thing i would say is make sure your mindset is where it needs to be to get over what you've been through mm. find as much support and help as you can and rely on those people because they are there to be able to help you i think if i hadn't have done that with my mindset and pushed that to the back of my mind and focused on the positivity and what I want in life, mm. I think that I, that's probably what I would say to somebody in, in my sort of situation. Okay, now it just has to be a nausea. Is your brother and your mum still in South Africa or are they here? No, they're both still in South Africa. Right, and do you go back uh, and see them? I go back as often as I can. Um, I've tried to go back every year, but it doesn't work out like it gets expensive. <laughs> yeah. But you've settled in Rochdale. Yep. And has Rochdale helped you in any way? A lot of people have said to me, why have you come to Rochdale? It's so unsafe, you're so insecure here because it's the worst place in the world. Well, it's not. <laughs> I feel safe, I feel happy in Rochdale. And I think the fact that I've met the person that I'm married to now has helped a lot. Mm. Um, I think the, the companies and the businesses that I've worked for have all been really supportive. And yeah, I think Rochdale itself has, has been good to me. And just finally, is there anybody either from Rochdale or from anywhere in the world, uh, any, any woman ever inspired you? I would have to say that my mom has inspired me. I can't say that I've ever looked up to her mm -hmm. because of what she's been through and the fact that she wasn't strong enough to deal with it 
the way she should have dealt with it or get maybe that there wasn't that help available to her at the time but she's definitely inspired me to become a better person and not be in the situation that she was in yeah so I think in, in terms of that she definitely inspired me for that so that's probably the woman that I would say has inspired me the most in life brilliant to not be like her yeah I get that <laughs> I get that to look forward to look forward yeah, yeah. yeah I get that well that's great thank you Liesl I really appreciate that and that was uh had funny bits in and very kind of you know <laughs> deep and meaningful bits in you know to that story so yeah. uh, I'm sure our listeners will uh, love hearing about it oh, thank you Thanks for listening to the Stories of Strength episode. If you have been affected by the issues raised, you'll find some support information in the show notes. You can access this wherever you're listening to this podcast. Now it's over to you. How did the story of strength make you feel? Have you had a similar experience? We'd love to hear. You can get in touch with us on social media. We're on Twitter and Facebook. Simply search We Act Together. Don't forget to use the hashtag Stories of Strength. Or for a less public response, you can email us info at actiontogether.org.uk. These stories are made for listening and to inspire. If there's someone you feel needs to hear it, please share it with them. We want people across the globe to be empowered by the women of Rochdale. You can also help amplify these stories by leaving us a rating and review on your podcast app, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. A huge thank you to the women who shared their stories with us. We can't express how grateful we are that you have trusted us to tell your story. A massive thanks to the organisations who've opened their doors and allowed us to speak to the women they work with for this series. This includes Deeplish Community Centre, Darnell Library and Touchstones. Stories of Strength is commissioned by Action Together. It's made with partners from across Rochdale, including Cartwheel Arts, Soul Sisters Empowering People, UKEF, Rochdale Mind, Rochdale Women's Welfare Association, Rochdale Connection Trust and Rochdale Health Alliance. Thank you for taking the time to contribute. We really appreciate it. The partners received podcast training delivered by Mike Media. And the series producer is Danielle Porter.